Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. He has blessed us. We're blessed out of our socks, even as we stand here still. We're blessed compared to most nations of the world. We're blessed. But the key is we realize it came from him and we're not to hoard it. We're to give it to others. Notice my power and strength in my hands that produces wealth for me. No, not at all. To meet the needs of other people. That's the goal. So be careful as God has blessed you. And even going through this difficult time, let's simply acknowledge we need God's help. I need his help. Most people think that they're giving, generous people. Do you? How about when times are tough? Does your charitable giving shrink when your wallet shrinks? <laughs> That's the challenge, isn't it? How do you keep trusting God enough to keep your giving level up, even as your income appears to be falling off? These circumstances always bring you back to the question of, are you really trusting God or your income? Pastor Mark will teach that this was the challenge for Jewish Christians in the book of Hebrews. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Deuteronomy chapter 8 as he continues his message, Real Security, Our Unchanging God. Well, let us hear your lessons for Deuteronomy chapter 8, go down to verse 6. You might want to meditate on it this week. It's powerful. Speaking to the nation of Israel. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, what should we do? Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. That used to be the mentality in our nation. Well, where's the warning? It starts in verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied... When you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God, who is the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
Now he has led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land. With his venomous snake and scorpions, he brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you. You already see what this week's assignment is as we head to chapter 16. To humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Notice God is for us. You may say to yourself, circle this in your Bible, my. Circle it. That's the pride. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth, notice, for what? For me. That is 100% wrong. Let's read on. Last verse. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Confirms his covenant means that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Notice, when, when we get too much in ourselves, then it's my power, it's my wisdom, it's my company, it's my education, it's my position, it's my title. I did it all, and I'm, I'm hoarding all this for me. The Bible is exactly the opposite. God wants to bless us. He has blessed us. We're blessed out of our socks, even as we stand here still. We're blessed compared to most nations of the world. We're blessed. But the key is, we realize it came from Him, and we're not to hoard it. We're to give it to others. Notice, my power and strength in my hands that produces wealth for me. No, not at all. To meet the needs of other people. That's the goal. So be careful. As God has blessed you, and even going through this difficult time, let's simply acknowledge we need God's help. I need His help. Sometimes we don't understand why God's doing what He's doing. Of course, He's allowing it to happen. So in my life, what's the bottom line? I don't want to go to ritual. I don't want to be in dead religion. I want to love God's grace. So the next thing I want you to write is these three things. Let's be filled with grace, and let's walk in grace. Grace is unmerited favor. And let's be grace givers. Now, why should I do that? Because, guys, I didn't earn grace. Freely, you've been given. You've been given it. You've received it. Give it out. Freely. Came to me, just give it out. That's what we do. We're just conduits for God of his finances that he gave us, of his grace, of his talents. All of you that sing and work in our kids' ministry and usher, the poor guys out there, they've already had their shower for the week. It's over with, times four. What did they do? They served you through God's strength. It's a beautiful thing. So I want to be a grace person. And if we're not careful, we can go back to legalism, even though we know we don't believe in legalism. We can go there. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10. See, remember, he's talking to these Jewish people who used to go to the altar in Jerusalem with the sacrifices. Notice what he says. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. So he goes back and he compares Christ and the new covenant, the old covenant. Remember, that was a whole book of Hebrews about the Day of Atonement, the yearly sacrifice versus the one time that Jesus Christ came whole sacrificial system was put aside, 
Everything was done, finished with. Jesus is way better than any high priest could ever be. So what does he mean, we have an altar? In your Bibles, you can just write this. What is an altar? An altar equaled access to God. How did the Jewish people get to God in the Old Testament? Well, they got to God through sacrifices, animal sacrifices. Today, we get to God through what? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ, is our altar. That's how we get to Christ. We don't go through animal sacrifice. The price has been paid once. It's been finished. It's over. And these Judaizers were trying to get them to go back under something that was really nothing but a shadow of Jesus Christ coming. Notice, he elaborates in verse 11. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, which we knew they would do. They would take the blood, put it on the altar. But what would they do with the animal that had died? Notice, but the bodies, this is very important. The bodies are burned outside the camp. So in the holies of holy and in that area, the blood would be shed. The animal then would be taken outside the religious buildings. Outside. Verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. In the Old Testament before Jesus came, God had rules that dealt with clean and unclean. God wanted to show the people that they were to live different than the ungodly cultures around them. So an animal carcass was unclean, had to be avoided. After the sacrifices were made by the priest, the animal was taken outside the camp, outside the city of Jews. Why? Because it was unclean. Jesus was crucified outside the city of Jerusalem the temple area. It was a foreshadowing of what would take place. The New Living Translation says this, the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city or outside the city. Why was he outside the city? Just think about it this way. There's two ways for us to think about it. Inside this city was Judaism. And Judaism was Man's way to get to God. What was Jesus saying? I'm making a what? A new way. It's outside. This is very important you understand. It's outside religion. Jesus isn't into religion. So he died outside of organized religion. He's not into religion. He is the way to God. And so he was taken outside the camp. Now, what about... You and I, well, as a criminal, Jesus would have been unclean. Animal sacrifices could not make people clean, but Jesus' blood could. So when he went outside, what did that also mean? This is very important. He was outside of any Judaism. He was really then outside of any religious system. And so what was he saying to the world? I died for who? The whole world. He died for everybody. And that religion isn't the answer. 
That's very important for us when you think about it. Look at verse 13. What do I do with that? Let us then, speaking to these Jewish people who had already come to Christ, let us then go to him where? Outside the camp. And if I go to him outside the camp, it's outside of Judaism, it's outside any religion, it's outside what Judaism stood for, my good works. It's outside of that. And if I take that outside, who is outside of, quote, religion? Unbelievers. Jesus took it to what? A world of unbelievers. He came to his own, but his own what? Rejected him. So where did he go? He said, go to the highways, go to the byways, bring him in. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners outside the camp. The Jewish people, unbelievers, Gentiles, couldn't go into only a certain area. They couldn't go in. Jesus said, we're done with all that. Notice, we're to go out to him. And if I go out to him with the good news of the gospel, that God's grace can cover you, if I go outside that camp, what happens to me? Let's read the end of the verse. Let us then go to him outside the camp. When I go outside the camp, what's going to happen to me? Look at the next verses, next part of the verse. What's going to happen to me? Bearing the what? Disgrace he bore. In other words, if I go outside the camp, I have to... Next statement you want to write is very clear. I have to identify with Jesus. I'm going outside to identify, not with a religion, not with good works, not with a man, but I'm identifying with Jesus. That's why I'm called a follower of Jesus. And as I go outside that and I identify with him, what's it going to cost me? It's going to cost me trouble. It's going to cost me a lot of trouble. You see, I think what's a pretty picture in a strange way, Jesus didn't die in a church building. He died on a hill with criminals to show us that he died for anyone that would believe on him. And we have a perfect picture of that as the thief on the cross believes him. There was no religious system. There were no sacrifices. They were far away from the Jewish religion. It was Jesus and a sinner. That's the picture. And by the way, why did that thief go to heaven? One reason, grace. He didn't deserve it. Doesn't even make common sense to you and I. All his life he lived bad. Right at the end he got a deathbed salvation. What is up with that? It's called what? Grace. See, I told you many times, I want it for me. I don't want it for you. You don't deserve it. I don't either. That's why it's called grace. Now, when I go into the world, I'm noticed as a pilgrim. And Jesus said this, if you go into the world and you identify with me, they're going to do to you what they did to me. Remember the verse, John 15, 20? 
Jesus said, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. What was happening to the Hebrews? They had identified with who? Jesus. And what was happening to them? They're being persecuted. It's a perfect example of what he, that's why he's teaching them that. Now, if they would go and go back and identify with the Jewish religion, persecution would stop. But they would then what? There'd be no salvation. Because it's dead works. Impossible to be right with God. So he says, don't even think about going back. That's a strange teaching. Don't go back under works. You can only be a Christ follower. That's where you get the salvation. Now, you know why the world hates us? Because we stand for what? Truth. Now, let me say this. The world doesn't hate us if we mention God. The world hates us when we mention Jesus. There is no name under heaven that where a man may be saved than the name Jesus Christ. That's why they hate us. Now you say, man, I like it, they hate us. No, that's the wrong attitude. Remember Ephesians 4.15? We speak the truth in? Good. How many of you were there one day when you hated Christians? Come on. Would you quit testifying to me? Shut up. You, some of you were there, weren't you? You were the hard nuts. But God got you, didn't he? He got you. Now, if we go out into the world and we identify with him, take a look at this. This should remind you why we have this. What does this do to the world? We're identifying with who? Tell me. Jesus, are you ashamed of it? Absolutely not. Because there's no way to heaven. There's no way to peace. There's no way to get to God except through Jesus Christ. That's the reason for these. That's the boldness. That's the reminder that we're outside the camp. That's where sinners are. We have a great message for them. There's only one person that can change their life. It's not Calvary Chapel. It's not a man. It's the God-man, Jesus. Verse 14. Now, when we go outside into the world, we're going to be pilgrims. We're going to be salt and light. We're going to be persecuted. Well, will that give me a negative attitude? Not really, because look at verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city. We're outside the city, which is the world. But we are looking for a city that is to come. Next thing you want to write is this. If I'm going to identify with Jesus Christ, and there's this persecution coming, what kind of attitude should I have? Well, number one, you should have a pilgrim attitude. We're just traveling through, and we're in transit. So, yeah... This enduring city, our enduring city is not here on this earth. Our enduring city is in heaven. C.S. Lewis said this, Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at the earth, and you'll get neither. See, that's the mentality of our world. Financial markets crumbling, everything falling apart. All of these people are aiming at earth. They got nothing. The thinking that should be filling my mind is this. Jesus died for me. 
I'm forgiven. I'm going to live with him forever. Why try to protect my life here? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to lose your life for my sake. Second, God is my heavenly father. He's promised to provide me with everything I need. So why am I trying to protect with my selfishness and greed everything that he gave me in the first place? Third, what should my mentality be, my priority be? For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus went outside the camp to identify with the unclean world. That's who he came for. He didn't come for the well. He came for those that were sick. By the way, that was everybody. The well people thought they were fine, but that's false pride. Next thing you want to write is this. Pilgrims know God's priorities, and they keep them. Last verses. You can leave your finger go in Hebrews. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. What should be my priorities? I'm identifying with Jesus in this world. I'm outside the camp. I get to be a messenger of salt and light and grace. I get to keep my eyes on heaven and not be discouraged here. Matthew chapter 6, go down to verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where corporate managers <laughs> break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. And that, of course, is spiritual things. Where moth and rust do not destroy. And where these thieves, these evil men, do not break in and steal. Here's the key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's my heart focused? Can't be on this world. It isn't going to go well. We already know what's going to happen. No, I'm, we're, we're not fatalists. We have hope. It's going to be great. So I don't want to get sidetracked. We can enjoy good things. God still gives us. This thing will come to an end, and we'll be back to some type of normalcy. It'll come. Life goes on. And as the Lord comes back, people will have children. We'll have new homes. We'll build things, whatever. Remember what we read in Deuteronomy? We always head that way. Me, me. And finally God comes, all right, let's wake up a little bit. America, without me, what are you going to look like? Go down to verse 33, and that's what we end with. But seek first. You see, that's the priority. His kingdom. And you guys are doing that. Thank you so much for your maturity. And his righteousness. And all these things, whatever else we need to be successful in this life, will be given to you as well. And what do I need to be successful in this life? One thing. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Pastor Mark taught today about the sacrifices under the law and how the Israelites were to approach God. You found out that this system limited face-to-face access to God to one man once a year. You learned that the Jews had to make a sacrifice every time they sinned. Pastor Mark showed you how Jesus went outside of religion to make full access to God by men possible. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's message, Real Security, Our Unchanging God. Next time, he'll begin a brand new teaching called Sacrifices That Please God. He'll talk more about the sacrifices under the law and their limited effectiveness. Pastor Mark will contrast those Old Testament rituals with the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and how it's so much better. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.